I wrote a screenplay. Um, it's based on a true story. My dad was a fireman who died in the line of duty in 2005 um, in a fire known as Black Sunday. There's actually two fires. Um, he, he passed away in the Bronx fire. And then there was also a Brooklyn fire on the same day. And it's a pretty infamous day because it's one of the only days where um, two fires on the same day have led to firemen deaths in New York and just nationally as well. He was forced to jump five stories from an illegally subletted apartment because they couldn't find the fire escape. And also five years before that fire, um, New York City had taken away equipment that would have saved all of the firemen's lives. Um, so it led to a criminal trial and a civil trial. And those, because of delayed courts in the Bronx, it took five years to do the criminal trial and then 12 years to do the civil trial. So I wrote the screenplay about it. And um, I'm now promoting the screenplay on my website, which is johnbaloo.com. Um, and I kind of tell more about like my story and what I'm trying to do. That was Katriana Ballou, who's working on getting her emotional screenplay about her late father made into a movie. Katriana threw out the ceremonial first pitch before the Irish Wolfhounds took on the FDNY's Bravest Baseball Club on August 26th. For more information, go to johnballou.com. That's J-O-H-N-B-E-L-L-E-W.com. Hello and welcome to episode 73 of the Irish Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Becker. On today's show, my good friend Brian McCartan will interview Katriana Ballou about her screenplay, first pitch, and more. After that, here Brian and me open up an old pack of baseball cards in a segment we call Old Stale Gum. Take it away, Brian. All right, everybody. How you doing? My name is Brian McCartan. You're here for the Irish American Baseball Podcast. I'm here with Kat Ballou. How are you, Kat? I'm good. How are you? All right. So we're here to talk about uh, what you're working on. Um, obviously, first off, I saw you throw the first pitch out at the game. Yes. Let's talk I was about the very nervous. <laughs> let's, let's let's talk about the first pitch. Did you did you practice at all before you did the first pitch? Of course I did. I did softball growing up, so like I knew how to throw a ball. Right. Um, I just hadn't done it in ten years, mm -hmm. and um, my family was more nervous for me than I was, and they made me practice the night before. And so that was, that's what I was going to ask: is if you actually had anybody go out there and be like, "All right, we're going to go sixty feet, and we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna do a, a regulation." shot here because you can't bounce it and then yeah well i i more like was worried about like it just going completely wayward and i oh, was so you you thought you were gonna it. go you thought you're gonna overshoot it no i didn't think i was gonna overshoot it. i think i was i thought i was gonna go like too far to the right or too far to the gotcha. left which i thought like, would have been more embarrassing than right. just like bouncing it there's like the famous story about uh president bush you know after 9 yeah. 11 you know when he goes to throw out the first pitch at the world series and jeter tells him hey listen you can't bounce it they'll boo you you know yeah. and, <laughs> so you think about for, being the, the president for a week being, before i had people sending me tiktoks of like failed first pitches and they were like oh, as long no. as you don't do this and i was like please stop <laughs> there's some bad ones out there so i i watched it when it happened um obviously i followed the baseball society on on all social media and stuff like that and you all should too um but um i, I watched it and i was like you know what that wasn't a bad deal but it looked like you it looked like you worked on it because some people go out there and they really do a terrible job with it but you did a great I job was I was like sweating. I was really, really nervous, but oh, man, it ended that's up terrible. going pretty okay. Yeah. So let, let's talk about what you got going on. Um, 
you want to tell your story here, obviously we can talk about your dad and, and what happened and why you're, what you're, why you're raising for money for what you're doing. And if you want to just tell the people what you have going on, that'd be great. Yeah. So, um, basically I wrote a screenplay. Um, it's based on a true story. My dad was a fireman who died in the line of duty in 2005, um, in a fire known as Black Sunday. There's actually two fires. Um, he, he passed away in the Bronx fire. And then there was also a Brooklyn fire on the same day. And it's a pretty infamous day because it's one of the only days where um, two fires on the same day have led to firemen deaths in New York and just nationally as well. Um, so he was forced to jump five stories from an illegally subletted apartment because they couldn't find the fire escape. And also five years before that fire, um, New York City had taken away equipment that would have saved all of the firemen's lives. Um, so it led to a criminal trial and a civil trial. And those, because of delayed courts in the Bronx, it took five years to do the criminal trial and then 12 years to do the civil trial. So I wrote the screenplay about it. And um, I'm now promoting the screenplay on my website, which is johnbaloo.com. Um, and I kind of tell more about like my story and what I'm trying to do. And I'm at the stage where I'm connecting with investors, actors, directors to hopefully get it made soon. Had you ever written a screenplay before? So I study screenwriting at NYU currently, and I've awesome. written um, pilots and I've written short films, but this was my first feature length screenplay. And I got, I started writing it actually in class, in a workshop in class, and then um kind of took it once the semester ended, I took it and went beyond and just kept revising, revising, and then submitted it to film festivals. And it's now been recognized in, I think, 19 film festivals. Have you found it to be like a, um, I mean, obviously, it's a very personal story for you. And I know you were young, but I mean, it doesn't matter what age you are, losing a parent is is terrible, no matter what happens, no matter whether you're one or you're 100 years old, you know, mm -hmm. um, did you find it to be difficult being that it was so personal? Did you find it difficult to, to get it down? Or did you find it difficult to put it out there for everybody to see? I thought I actually didn't because I like I've become in recent years really open about talking about it because I wasn't for such a long time and I was a super closed off person. And then as I you know started working on myself as a person and also just kind of becoming more open about it, it became easier to talk about. But I thought it was a really cool experience to write it because I got to hear these stories that like my mom was telling me and that other firemen were telling me um, about my dad, about like the whole process of like the court and like the aftermath of his death that I never knew before. And I kind of feel like I just know the story so much better and like it makes it easier to understand rather than just like some event that's happened. So um, yeah, I, I I thought it was actually like really, it felt good to get it all down on paper. Did you find anything else, anything out about your dad in the process that you'd never knew before? We're talking to like the guys that he worked with. Oh yeah. I found out a lot in the process of like, I even since creating this website and I have like a contact page, I have people who will email me and they'll just like tell me little stories and they'll be like like I got connected to um somebody recently who was my uncle's best friend in like elementary school and he was telling me the story 
memory of remembering the day that my dad was born because oh, wow. um, my dad was the youngest of so many children. And it's just like a really cool, even just hearing stories about like, he was a super sarcastic guy and like them being like, oh, he was like, like busting my balls that day. And it's just yeah. really nice to like see and hear. And yeah. Yeah. It's that. Uh, so um, cards on the table here, both my mom and my dad both passed this year recently and oh, it was, it, no, it's fine. And, and it was one of those things. That, and the reason I asked that was I was at my mom's wake and um, we're not a big wake family. I hate those things and I hate doing them, <laughs> you know, and, and it's already awkward enough being at this thing. I had a lady come up to me, never met this woman a day in my life, never seen her a day in my life who came up to me and told me that she grew up with my mom in, in the old neighborhood. And I'd never heard of this person, never seen her. Mm -hmm. And she was telling me like this story about my mom as a kid, like something completely like innocent and, you know, oh, I remember when we played here and we used to, and I was like, nobody's ever told me this. So it's kind of like mm -hmm. the same situation where you realize that like, oh, people are going to tell you something about your parents that you never even knew before. You know, you realize they had a whole other life before you. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's interesting. And you realize like how many people they touched in their life. Yeah. And it's like, it's really cool to see because it just makes you realize that like you've probably touched the same amount of people, but you would never know what was important to other people that you didn't even think twice about. Right. Um, right. Right. Which is just really cool to learn. Yeah. How did, um, you have siblings, correct? Mm -hmm. So I have three siblings. Um, at the time of the fire, my sister was six, my brother was three, I was two and my younger brother was five months old. So mm -hmm. now I'm 21. My younger brother's 18 no, 19. <laughs> um, and my sister is 24. My older brother is 22. How did uh, your mom and your siblings feel about what you were doing and what you were going out there to accomplish? My mom was super supportive and I sat with her for like 10 hours to like interview her and just like, and then even like to this day, she'll like text me little stories and she's like, oh, like this could be cool to include. And um my siblings are also just like really supportive and like they they all just kind of wanted to read the script when I finished it. Right. It's that sounds really uh it sounds great. It's also something I guess you and your siblings can connect on. You know, you guys all have that common bond and, and having I'm an only child. It's hard for me to relate to sibling stuff, but I have three mm -hmm. kids and they're all killing each other in this house <laughs> uh, most days of the week. So it's it's got to be a, a nice thing for you guys to have together too to have a bond like that and something to keep it, your dad's memory alive. I think that's a really great thing that you guys have going. Yeah, I think like we're a lot closer just because of what has happened in our life. Sure. So you're from Pearl River, New York. Yes, I am. Rockland County's, uh, you know, little Ireland of Rockland County. What was it yeah. like growing up in Pearl River? How did it affect your, your screenplays? How did it affect what you how you write, how you go about your everyday, you know? Yeah, I mean, process? for anyone who knows Pearl River, it really just is like everyone's from Ireland, a few people from England. Um, I'm 100% Irish and most of my friends are, um, but it's just a really like community driven town and like everybody kind of steps out to like support you. It's also a big town um, for firemen and police officers. So like in the process of like, like the tragedy that happened to my family when we were younger, like there were so many people that were just constantly around to help because they understood like that could be my husband or that could be my dad. Um, and in this whole process of like me promoting my screenplay, they've been extremely, extremely supportive. And like, I like everybody's just really excited for the process. And because it is a small town, like you could walk down the street and somebody's like, oh, I saw your website, like, yeah. like rooting for you, which is just really nice. And I'm on my website 
because like the whole like the FDNY itself and like the fire department is very like Irish um yeah, sure. you know, community in general. So on my website I sell these hats with like a little shamrock on it. Um mm-hmm. just because like that's kind of like the like the basis, like the the values are all kind of rooted in like that culture. And sure. So now I walk around town and I see everybody wearing the hats, which is really cool. I'm sure anybody who's ever been to an FDNY Emerald Society function could tell you how much fun it is and and how the yeah. the roots of the of the Irish culture inside the fire department are deep, um, even to this day. And obviously, you know, the fire department is is changing and it has changed over the years. But one thing that hasn't changed is that that deep rooted Irish connection and, and Pearl River, which seems to maintain the same town. And, you know, some places change and some towns seem to evolve over time. Like I said, I'm from Yonkers, my old neighborhood. Uh, I'm from the north end of Yonkers, which at one time back in, in the day was a very, um, very Irish American you know, neighborhood. And that's no longer the case. That's completely gone. You, you know, in Yonkers, my wife's from the McLean Avenue area from Woodland, from, from Woodlawn. And that whole area is still hanging on too. there's still these Irish, you know, neighborhoods that are still hanging on. And it's good to see um, that they're still there. Yeah. Um, well, my brother actually lives like right by Woodlawn because he went to Manhattan College. And then really, uh, it's surprising yeah. to hear a kid from Pearl River move to Woodlawn, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I believe it was uh, one of the McShane sisters. I don't know if it was Amanda or Emily told me the thing about their dad where they were saying how, you know, they lived, the father came from Ireland and lived in Woodlawn and worked hard and worked hard to move to Pearl River just to have all his kids get old enough to move right back to Woodlawn <laughs> on them, you know, but um, it's always a funny thing. So any other screenplays you're working on? Anything else you have going on in the future besides this? Yeah, so right now I'm focused on getting this produced and um, like talking to investors and like raising money for that, but I'm always writing something new. So I'm still in my final year at NYU and I'm writing constantly yeah sure um so just give everybody the social media again uh i don't know johnblue.com i believe is the website right it's johnblue.com you can follow us on instagram at black sunday film the script is called black sunday and we um regularly post people wearing our hats in different parts of the world so if you go on a trip and you have our hat send us a picture Sure. So guys, go to johnblue.com, go get yourself a hat, goes to a great cause. You want to see this film get made. It's nice to see uh, young people from great neighborhoods doing great things and good luck in school. Good luck with everything you have going on. And, um, you know, again, it's, it's, it's gotta be tough. You know, you guys lose a parent, especially so young, it's gotta be so hard, but to see that you're coming up and you're making the best of a really bad situation is great. And um, lots of luck to you and your family. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. We'll talk to you soon. I'm Rick Becker, and this is the Irish Baseball Podcast. That was Brian McCartan interviewing Katriana Ballou. For more information about her screenplay, go to johnballou.com. That's J-O-H-N-B-E-L-L-E-W.com. Every once in a while, Brian and I like to open up old packs of baseball cards for a segment we call Old Stale Gum. You can see videos of these openings by following the Irish American Baseball Society on social media. Right now, we're going to go down memory lane by cracking open a pack of 1993 Stadium Club cards. Rip it open, Brian. No, you got to get that sound. Yeah, love it. (laughs) All right, we're going to start with this one. And, And just the jersey alone makes this for... 
is Mr. John. And they've got a little glare because these cars are glossy. But here's a John Johnstone from the John Marlins. Johnstone in that old Marlins jersey. Yeah, oh, is, man. Uh, back of the cards here says he went uh, seven and seven that year for the Marlins in uh, 92. But nice, nice card. Uh, Bud Black. Well, hold on a second. Let's get back to that card. 93 would have been the first year for the Marlins, right? Uh, yeah, I think it would have been. Yeah, you're right. This, so, is a 90, this is a 92, 92 stats. So um, in 1992, he was uh, seven and seven, it says here. So did it say with who? Uh, no, it just says 90, it just says 92. I'm assuming it was with the Marlins, but the Marlins didn't start till 93, right? There's, you know, on the back of the card here, it's got a 93 tops picture. Now I'm going to see if we can get in here. Can you see that? Yeah. So it's got like a picture of his rookie card, his tops rookie card. This is a 93 stadium club. So yeah. Did they come out like mid season or something? Cause that's the wrapper like- here. I'm looking at this wrapper and it doesn't say anything about. You know, Stadium Club was an offshoot of Tops, remember? So it was, these were like right. the, the Tops premium cards. So maybe it was like a, hey, you can get the '93 Tops, and now here's the the better card. You know, right? The, the original upsell there. So go figure. Here's Bud Black. Yeah, back in his playing days. Back in his playing days, looking good in the back. See again on the back of the card here. If you look, it's got a picture of his Tops card from that year. His his rookie card is '83. Yeah. Wow, that was a good set right there, that 83 tops. Yeah, the 83 set, yeah. Pretty cool, nice little... Well, he had a nice long career then. Yeah, 100%. He had... Uh, this was 90, 93, and he had already had a bunch of years, 11 years in the game. He had good years. He was a good, good ball player. I mean, enough to end up being a great manager down the road, right? Right. Love the landscape. You do like those that are... I love the landscape. This is Frank Bollock from the Montreal Expos. Oh, man, looking at those old Expos. You know, a lot of these appear to be spring training pictures. I bet you this did come out like mid-season or something. Sure, and then it's got, again, I like this little feature I have on the back where they show his rookie card. Oh, those top prospect cards. Yeah, so it's cool. They show, like, the rookie card on the back of the card. uh, Oh, boy, here we go. Greg Swindell, little Astros card. Nice little action shot. They do look like spring training shots. Exactly. This will help with our immaculate grids. We'll be like, oh, yeah, Greg, Greg Swindell was with, the, you know, X, Y, and Z that one year. I got another one here. Jody Reed. I remember Jody Reed. Jody Reed. Reed. Where is this? With the Ranger? No, the Dodgers. Dodgers, yeah. And if you That's going to be good for the grid right there. Yeah, look at the rookie card. With the oh, Sox. I had that card. I remember that. He looks Drunk as a monkey in that <laughs> in that picture there. But. He's the only guy who has ever looked 45 in his rookie card. <laughs> I want to see how good his career was because, like, obviously, like, when we look back at those days when we're kids and these guys seem, like, bigger than life, you know? Sure. I want to see his career. 11 years, uh, just no hit. 270 batting average, but a 700 OPS. PS plus of 91 and that's position adjusted. So yeah. that even includes going up against other second basemen. Yeah. He was just a guy who was early 90s second baseman weren't exactly hitting on him some rosters. <laughs> right. Yeah. But if you're doing your impossible grids, he works for the Red Sox, Dodgers, Brewers. That's a tough one on grids, Padres right. and Tigers. <laughs> so crazy. Here we go. Great Yankee broadcaster. Mr. Al Leiter. Al Leiter. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one here. 
He's another guy I want to look up because I want to see how his career was compared to what I think it was. Like, look at the rookie card on the back here. Look at the the Yankees' <laughs> future star. Future stars, and it's in that like rainbow. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Uh, Lighter came up with the Yanks. I always forget that. People always forget that. He played for 19 years. Yeah, man, he had years, years under his belt. Wow. Played in that 2000 World Series with the Mets against the Yankees. Yeah, yeah. That year he had the World Series against the Yankees. Like, he was not an easy day. And he'd already been pitching for like 13, 14 years by then. He was 16 and 8 with a 320 ERA. Right. In in New York in the early 2000s where everybody was juicing, you know? like Yeah, 208 innings. Like, he was a workhorse. Had a shutout that year. Started 31 games. Yeah. That's a lot for a guy at that age. That was a big year for him. Three more here. Oh, oh. Rick, come on. The Hawk. Andre Dawson. In Andre a Dawson series. as a Red Sox. <laughs> as a Red Sox. Look at the Hawk. Look at the... We were just talking earlier about the size of Andre Dawson. It says here that he's 6'3", 197. Yeah, he's 197. Like, remember when they yeah. weighed Trump and it said he was like 215? I think this exactly. is these two guys. <laughs> look at the look at the rookie. I love these rookie cards on the back. These oh, that's cool. great with him too. <laughs> and I never thought in a pack like this that I would pull this card. And now, usually, I, you know, we do these all the time. And when I do them, most of these cards just kind of go into a box somewhere. But this one is going to go away. And there's Mr. Barry Bonds. Oh, wow. What a great pull. That card is... That's... Oh, my goodness. Look at that picture. That Dude, what a great pull. Great pull. I'm actually really happy I pulled that because that is a great card right there. (laughs) I'm 10 years old right now. (laughs) Let's not get into any controversy or talk about anything that happened after 1993. But that picture right there is one of the greatest baseball players you've ever seen play. Longest home run I ever saw in my life was in Yankee Stadium, Barry Bonds. If you can go on YouTube today, kids, and type in Barry Bonds, Yankee Stadium home run, and look at the moonshot that he hit. And we were sitting there, we were sitting there that day. I had never seen anything like it in my life. I was like, well, I fully expected that to happen. (laughs) That would have been his first or second. Yeah, that was his first year with them. With the Giants, probably. yeah. Yeah. So these stadium club definitely came out later because 93 was his first year with the Giants. These are 93 stadium club. And that looks like that's a Scottsdale picture that that is from spring training. So the highlight, the highlight of this pack is definitely Barry Bonds uh, behind him. Andre Dawson. I just want to go through Barry Bonds and his 1993. So nobody thinks he was on the juice this year. Scored 109 runs, walked 127 times, hit 311 with a 456 on base, 624 slugging, a 1.080 OPS, a 204 OPS plus. How many bags did he steal? 46 bombs, 29 stolen bases. Who's doing that? 
For Brian McCartan and Katriana Ballou, I'm your host, Rick Becker, and this has been episode 73 of the Irish Baseball Podcast.